On this episode of the podcast, I tell the guys about how one NBA franchise mortgaged an entire decade in a misguided attempt to compete for the title. This could be anyone. Because yeah, that just sounds like basketball. It's it's sports management in general. Yeah. There's always reach for the biscuit. Reach for the stars. There's one like every five years in sports. Um, and ninety nine percent of the time, does it work? And it's the Nets this year. Good luck, Nets. <sighs> Good luck, Nets. Recline that sofa and loosen that tie because this is mismanaged. Welcome to Mismanaged, a weekly podcast where we kick back and criticize the failings of paid sports professionals while also offering them foolproof solutions to all their management woes. I'm Austin Egan. I'm Josh Sleazy. And I'm Nathaniel Westover. Let's get into it. This week, we are discussing the NBA. Warning to any and all Brooklyn Nets fans. You may want to cover your ears. Or continue desperately clinging to the hope that your big three can stay healthy for longer than a week. Five days maximum. Maybe someday. We'll call it a three-day week. Just <laughs> add yes, all please, of them please. healthy at the same time for three consecutive days. Is this the net second time being on this podcast? Yes. yes. Is they this were... the first team that we've had uh, as, as a double feature? Yes. Aww. Yes, it is. Good job, Nets. And actually, they were the very first team we ever talked about because the Nets are built <laughs> on a strong foundation of mediocrity. Yay! Congratulations. Congratulations, guys. You are the standard. <laughs> Even more so than the Jets. You are the standard. Jets, Nets, and Mets, baby. Woo! In the early 2000s, the then New Jersey Nets were a force to be reckoned with. <laughs> <laughs> that was just a funny sentence. Yeah, also, it's a funny like segue. <laughs> but uh, yeah, in the early 2000s, it's like the one period of time where the Nets are. Did they know, still have Jason Kidd at that point? Yes. Hey, my man. Well, we'll get to that. But player, <laughs> led by Hall of Fame point guard Jason Kidd, the Nets made back to back finals appearances losing both to the Kobe Shaq Lakers dynasty. Wow. You can't really yeah. hold that against them. Yes, you can. Detroit basketball <laughs> dynasties. Nothing. We ended them. <laughs> you end all of them. It was awesome. Everything goes to die in Detroit. Yeah. Uh, well. Uh, That's the new city slogan. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I have such mixed. You know what? I'll save my. <laughs> I'll, I'll reconcile that later. The Nets would eventually tack on four more consecutive playoff runs, even adding future Hall of Famer Vince Carter to the squad. But they were never able to seal the deal. The Nets would then descend into a dark period, missing the playoffs five consecutive seasons from 2007 to 2012. As many do. Uh, Yeah, no, it's... uh... You fall off the mountain. (laughs) You fall off the mountain. It takes a while to even find the path to the (laughs) stairs to the beginning of the trail that is the playoffs. During this time, this dark period, the Nets went through four head coaches, five general managers, and two owners. Oh, no. (laughs) Wait. (laughs) Including three different coaches in the 2009-2010 season. So that one was especially turbulent. Yeah, no, it was a rough time. 
In March of 2010, so near the end of that three-coach season, Russian oligarch Mikhail Prokhorov purchased the Nets with the promise of building the Barclays Center and moving the franchise to Brooklyn. Prokhorov stated his interest arose out of the hope of elevating the development of Russian basketball. Woo! It's worked out super well so far. Oh, yeah, I know. You got... Nope, I got no one. Yeah, no, and I'm afraid anyone I would guess is definitely not Russian, and I'd be be offending someone. (laughs) There is the guy that R.C. Buford, the Spurs guy, drafted, who's still kicking it in in Russia. Russia. Yeah, so Mikhail Prokhorov is here for that guy, (laughs) elevating his game. He's He's the LeBron of Russia. (laughs) Uh, Shortly after gaining control of the team, he fired coach GM Kiki Vandeweg and replaced him with Rod Thorne. Oh, okay. Now, a quick note on Thorne, because he is a very interesting character as it pertains to the Nets franchise. Thorne was an assistant coach with the Nets during its ABA days. Oh, wow. Been around forever. This guy's been around forever. (laughs) The Nets are nothing without him. He was an assistant with the Nets during the ABA and eventually became the head coach of the ill-fated St. Louis Spirits. <sighs> Three times. R.I.P. Yeah. The Spirits fired <laughs> Three him. Three dead. <laughs> the Spirits fired him after a few months, oh. and he returned as an assistant to the Nets. Because he was too good at head coaching. They were like, oh, no, you're too powerful. It's you like, have to get out of here. You have to be an assistant. We're somewhere. dying over here. Get out. He would then become the GM of the Chicago Bulls. Famously picking Michael Jordan in 1984. So that, I will just tell you right now, is the pinnacle of this man's career. I mean, I mean that's, that's not a, a bad place to no, hang your hat no, on. No, exactly. That's it is better so, than anything I've ever done. It's such an obvious peak, which is why I'm <laughs> confident in saying, like, because he hasn't had an awful career <laughs> as an executive. This is more just funny because he is the Nets' fallback man for decades. Everything? Yeah. <laughs> So, eventually, uh, he would return to the Nets as GM in 2000 before stepping away from that position in 2004. So, he stepped away willingly. Uh So, that's important to know. I need to take a break. (laughs) Uh, He would then be called on to return as the GM of the Nets in 2007 for a few months to replace his own replacement during the GM search. So, he steps away in 04. Guy comes in. They fire him, and they're like, please come back. He's like, all right, I'll fill <laughs> we need it. Temporarily, I'll, I'll, temporarily come, fill I'll help you out. During that time, Thorne traded away franchise player Jason Kidd to the Mavericks for n- pretty much nothing. Nice. Perfect. Just sent him off. Well, so he, that was getting old. It was a little... Uh, it's 2007. <laughs> <laughs> was it? Uh, Thorne would end up filling in for the fired Vandewig for a few months before voluntarily stepping down once again. (laughs) During this time, he presided over the 2010 NBA draft, picking Derek Favors over DeMarcus Cousins, Gordon Hayward, Paul George, and other notables. He also used the first pick of the second round on a German center, Tibor Pleiss. Tibor only played 12 games in the league, Five years later for a different team. Oh, Ooh, no. Classic Spurs. A classic Spurs situation. Uh, not the greatest fallback of all time. No. Uh, but the star of our show is actually general manager Billy King, who took over in July 2010. Now, to be fair to King, before we get into the awfulness of this situation, uh-huh. he was burdened by the ridiculous expectations of Prokhorov. Prokhorov. 
When asked about his expectations for the team, Mikhail Prokhorov was quoted saying, quote, How fast can we build a championship team? If everything goes as planned, I expect us to be in the playoffs next season and win a championship in one year minimum, and a maximum in five years. Oh! So he said, we could probably win it next year, but to be reasonable, I'll say we'll win it within five. And it's important to note at the time, the Nets are garbage right now. Their best player at this moment is Brooke Lopez. Lopez. Yeah, no. So like so and not Lopez, even the best Lopez. Yeah. And they're about to get some other players that are pretty good and but not quite yet. So it should be understood the difficulty of this particular cat task, uh, because the Nets were coming off one of the worst seasons in league history with a record of twelve and seventy. Ah, yeah, it's pretty bad. Nice. Yeah, it's okay. awful. They almost had single-digit wins. <laughs> yep. Yeah. The impracticality of Prokhorov's guarantee was heightened when the Nets whiffed on all the talent in the star-studded 2010 free agency. That free agency included LeBron James, yep. Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, Dirk Nowitzki, Yao Ming, Amari Stoudemire, Paul Pierce, Ray <laughs> Allen, and Carlos Boozer, not to mention a bunch of other, you know, not exactly household names, but good for the time, what, in that time, you would know who they were. Yeah. <clears throat> King attempted to trade for Carmelo Anthony, but it Sorry. turned out that the Nuggets were only using the Nets <laughs> to increase the price the Knicks would be willing to pay. Nice. Perfect. Which worked out perfectly for the Nuggets. That's the way to do it. Shortly after this, King secured a good player, but at too steep a price. He traded Derek Favors in a 2011 and 2013 first to the Utah Jazz for star Darren Williams. Mm. Darren Williams was a pretty good player, Mm -hmm. honestly. So getting him was a pretty big move and a good first start for the Nets. But he gave up way too much. much. Way too much. Especially considering Darren Williams was almost done on his contract. Mm -hmm. The 2011 pick ended up being the fourth overall, which could have secured Clay Thompson or Kawhi Leonard. He also traded away a second rounder that day to the Warriors for a couple of nobodies. That second rounder became Draymond Green. Nice. Which oh. right now might not seem significant, <laughs> but let's remember, he was critical he, to the Warriors' yeah, dynasty. No, he was important there for a few years. No, not so much. Not so much. It's not his fault his prime was only three years. <laughs> The Nets would end the 2010-11 season with a record of 24 and 58. Hey, they doubled their wins. wins. Doubled their wins. Impressive. <laughs> the next season, the Nets got worse, going oh. 22 and 44. Ah. But King would not be deterred. Darren he Williams still had two years left. He, yeah. No, yeah. Three what, years. He, he, yeah, he yeah. did not make the playoffs though. <laughs> no, yeah. No, he did not. He did not make the playoffs the first year, which was part of the promise. But (laughs) the bigger one was the championship in five. Yeah. And he's still got time for that one. He's got time. He's got time. It'll happen. Darren. It's a happy story. It's a great. Yes. This isn't isn't about mismanagement. This is a case of really good management. Nice. Darren Williams was approaching free agency, and King was worried Williams would leave the team. So near the end of the 2011-12 season, he struck again, trading two low-level players and a 2012 first-rounder for Gerald Wallace from the Portland Trailblazers. The pick ended up being the sixth overall, and the Trailblazers used it to draft Damian Lillard. Yeah. So once again, also a caveat on all these things, it's not these guys' fault. That all the picks they're trading end up being superstar players. players. Like, what are the odds of <laughs> yeah. that? 
but it's hilarious. And it's not like if he had all of these picks, he would take it. He would have taken those players, but he could have. He could have. The possibilities. The hindsight is our friend in these situations, Mm -hmm. you know. In an objective evaluation of the performance of sports managers, should it be used? Probably not, but we're not objectively evaluating. We're talking about what happened, and it's hilarious. And And we're going to mention it. It makes it more fun. Fortunately for King, Williams decided to stick around after free agency. Unfortunately, Wallace opted out of his option and squeezed the franchise for a higher salary. Nice. The summer before the 2012-13 season, King made another swing, attempting to secure Dwight Howard, but he whiffed again. He settled for trading for Joe Johnson, once again, drastically overpaying. Oh, no. Yeah. He gave up five players and a 2013 (laughs) first-round pick and a couple of pick swaps for Johnson. In addition to the loss of assets, Johnson's salary contributed to the Nets accumulating the largest luxury tax hit in league history. That makes sense. Oh, no. For one player? For Joe Johnson! (laughs) Which, like, at that time... Johnson and Wallace. Yeah. That's all you need. And, Bro- and, and Bropez is hanging around. Oh, yeah. Bropez is out there. Which is funny on uh basketball reference, NBA basketball reference, throughout all of this, I'm pretty sure Bropez is like their highest rated player That's in all of these seasons. Oh, no. <laughs> That's not good. Uh King entered the third season since Prokhorov acquired the team with a patchwork group of players centered around Darren Williams, Gerald Wallace, Joe Johnson, and Brooke Lopez. As unimpressive as this squad may sound, they scraped together the Nets' best season since 05-06 with a record of 49-33. Above 500. Yeah, no, it was a solid season for by Nets standards. Actually, in general, <laughs> but mostly by Nets standards. Yeah. In general, you want to see a 50-plus, but... Yeah. They were close enough. We'll round up for them. However, they were escorted out of the first round of the playoffs by the Chicago Bulls, uh, the Derrick Rose team. But but D. Rose didn't play that series. Oh, so less. Yeah. So it's like fair and then immediately is not fair. Yeah. It's like, oh, wait. With the disappointing loss, King was faced with only two years left to fulfill Prokhorov's continued guarantees. This man kept doubling down on it. Throughout the whole time, oh, and yeah. pressuring his GM, digging like, himself a, a deeper hole. Yeah, no, he placed super high expectations continually on King. It's it's not great. One of the continued critiques of the franchise was that players were soft. So King <laughs> took his biggest swing yet that summer. He started off by hiring former franchise cornerstone Jason Kidd as the new head coach. Nice, despite his lack of previous coaching experience. So nice, not nice. We'll find out. <laughs> Then came the blockbuster, the centerpiece of this story. Brooklyn traded five players, including Gerald Wallace, and a 2014, 2016, and 2018 first-round picks, along with a swap of 2017 first-rounders. In exchange, the Nets received the nursing home of 37-year-old Kevin Garnett, 36-year-old Paul Pierce, 36-year-old Jason Terry, and the youngest, DJ White, who never actually ended up playing in Brooklyn, so he doesn't matter. So they they got a lot of senior citizens. Yeah, the youngest player was 36. (laughs) (laughs) Now, let's assess the damage with regards to draft capital. The Celtics wasted the 2014 first on James Young. We don't really know who he is, so we won't talk about him. Uh, the 2016 first was used to draft Jalen Brown. Nice. 
the 2017 pick swap earned the Celtics the first overall, which they traded down with the Sixers to get Jason Tatum. Mm -hmm. And then they used the 2018 first to trade for Kyrie Irving, which didn't end up working out for them. But, you know, it was used to secure a superstar. So that's a good move. And then the 2017 pick the Nets swapped for from the Celtics would eventually be traded to the Lakers, who ended up being Kyle Kuzma. Hmm. So even the pick they got back, they they, waste. they wasted <laughs> by giving it away to a player that, you know, he honestly, Kuzma's not doing much. They keep saying he might soon, but I don't know. Yeah, but they've been saying that for like three years. Yeah, it was kind of like when... I think I'd take Lonzo Ball over him at this point. Oh, absolutely. I would mm-hmm. take Lonzo Ball over Kyle Kuzma. And Brandon Ingram for the given. Oh, yeah. It, no. It'd be Brandon Ingram. Ball. It was poor <laughs> foresight on the part of the Lakers, yeah. honestly. The 2013-14 season provided ample evidence that Garnett, Pierce, and Terry were well past their time of carrying teams through a season and into championship contention. What? No. Mm. Who, who could have known? Um, Pretty much everyone that wasn't the Nets. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because when this trade guys. happened, pretty much everyone was like, this is a horrible trade. <laughs> Why? Yeah. Brooklyn ended up having a worse record than the year before at 44-38. They did, however, get out of the first round of the playoffs, but were immediately dismantled in five games by LeBron's big three in Miami. Yeah, that tracks. That playoff loss marked the end of year four, and only one year was left for King to make good on Prokhorov's promises with no discernible hope of accomplishing that nah. goal. Yeah, because LeBron's chilling in Miami. He's like, hello, everyone. Which yes. which is why Paul Pierce is pissy with LeBron yeah. at this point. So he's like, oh, I was never scared of LeBron. I'm like, sir, uh, please. Sure, sure. It was at this point that any and all hope for the Nets perished. Had... <laughs> <laughs> Head coach Jason Kidd was traded to Milwaukee for a 2015 and 2019 second round pick. We love a coach trade. We adore a coach (laughs) trade. It should really happen more often. Don't fire coaches. Just trade them. (laughs) (laughs) Those picks became Pat Connaughton and Admiral Schofield. (laughs) Paul Pierce left Brooklyn for the Washington Wizards. And Jason Terry left to go to the Houston Rockets. So after one year, they lost their coach and two of the three players they traded for. Yeah, and they kept the oldest one. (laughs) Only Kevin Garnett (laughs) remained. Stubborn Kevin Garnett. 38 years old. I'm going to die on this court. Uh, unfortunately, after a few months into the 2014-15 season, he too would leave Brooklyn when he was shipped off to Minnesota in exchange for Thaddeus Young. Run it back. <laughs> no, it's the, a retirement run. It's a, it's a, <laughs> the Nets would finish the season with a record of 38-44. and 44. This record was good enough to earn the Nets the eighth seed in the East. God, they the snuck East in so there. Bad. So they have Always. a chance. <laughs> You're telling me there's a chance. There's a fifth and final year to fulfill Prokhorov's promise. They're the eighth seed. It's a Cinderella story. A miracle on ice. They got kicked out of the first round by the first seed Atlanta Hawks. Ooh, which I actually went rough. back and looked at it. Because this is during LeBron's time in Cleveland, uh-huh. but he was the two seed. And I looked, okay, who was on that Atlanta team? Their best player was Al Horford. Okay. And then it was like Thabo Cephalosha. Love it. And um, there were some other names. There was no one Vince that was. Carter wasn't there yet. No, right? no. There was no one that was above a B minus. But they were the first seed. And they won 60 games. <laughs> That's how the East does, though. They it just was... beat all the other teams in the East. Yeah. 
No, that's fair. <laughs> it was gross. I'm like, I do not remember the Hawks <laughs> ever Hawk. being like. Yeah, no, that was surprising. <laughs> the 60 win for seed Hawks. Which the Nets took team. them to six. Jeez, <laughs> so, that's not a good sign. <laughs> no. Well, they would eventually lose, obviously, because oh, no. Cleveland mean... went on to lose to Golden State. Yeah. Part one. Because I think, yeah, that was part one. The three for sure. Oof. Yes. Uh, but thus ended the fifth year of Prokhorov and Billy King's reign, and rather predictably, no promises were kept. And Prokhorov melted back into ice. <laughs> <laughs> he got shipped out. <laughs> oh, the fun thing, too, I forgot to mention this, is Prokhorov didn't spend his time in the U.S. at all. Oh, no. <laughs> he bought the team and then spent the majority of his time in Russia. Actually, there was a quote I was reading, and I'm not getting exactly like right, but he's basically like, yeah, I enjoy New York City. It's kind of like the Moscow of the United States. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, gross. <laughs> gross. Get out of here. The Nets would continue puttering along, missing the playoffs for the next three seasons. Billy King was fired midway through the 2015-16 season, and Prokhorov would eventually end up selling the team after a few years. The mediocrity was halted in the 2018-19 season when the Nets made an unlikely bounce back into the playoffs. Unfortunately, they were knocked out in the first round and their good performance only ensured that the draft picks they had traded were not actually protected. Because they had dealt a bunch of first rounders that had protections to them. But then they're like, okay, we're bad. So maybe if we're in this top three, top five, we'll still keep our keep picks. Our pick. No, no, no. They got good enough. To... D'Lo looked at that and he said, no. I want to be garbage by being good. I want to leave here and leave it paid. on fire. <laughs> now, of course, the Nets are looking like real contenders. But if they don't win a championship in the next few years, they are set up to be punished similarly to this trade. But that is neither here nor there. Of course, referring to the trade for James Harden. Yeah. Uh, quick recap. The barely competent Brooklyn Nets mortgaged a decade of draft capital in an ill-fated attempt to leapfrog half the Eastern Conference. They missed out on the likes of Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Colin Sexton, and others. Additionally, some of the capital they sacrificed was utilized to secure star-free agents for other teams. All of this for a couple of out-of-their-prime veterans that would only stick around for one season. A classic case of mismanagement. Yeah. Veteran leadership! It is the stuff of champions. You gotta, also, you they gotta say. Win, win the locker room before you can win the game. Right? You, wait, you gotta have a locker room. And then... <laughs> not a hot, not like a nursing home. <laughs> and not be in hospice. Oh, <laughs> that one's so much worse. <laughs> but now that we presented one of the worst moves in NBA history, we feel comfortable and confident in presenting our own proposals for those GMs we believe need a little amateur help to make their professional decisions. Westover, why don't you do us a big old favor and kick us off? Thanks, Betty. Okay, so I know I've addressed Scott Perry already in the past, the GM of the Knicks, but it's because ah, yes. I well, want... Knicks. I want the Knicks to be successful. It's because the <laughs> Knicks are actually interesting this year. Yeah. I guess technically they're my home team since I'm from New York. No, but... your home team are the Buffalo Braves. Yeah, that is your home team, the... and I don't want to hear nothing the about Clippers? it. The Clippers? I don't yes. want to root for the Clippers. Well, you don't have That's to follow them around. <laughs> I don't care for the Clippers. Honestly, you're probably closer to being a Cleveland fan. You're probably closer to Cleveland than you are to New York City. 
Uh, I'm halfway between, I'm literally like halfway between New York and Buffalo. So, so you're a Braves fan. It's Perry. decided. But Miami's, t- I guess, my childhood team just because of NBA Live. Because before I knew anything about basketball, it was just the picking the coolest logo of flaming basketball. Heck yeah. That's fair. But the That's Knicks point. are in fourth place in the East. They have the same record as the Lakers right now. Way to go. Which no one would have predicted going into this season. Because yeah. I think like last year at this point, they had like 20 wins. Yes, probably. If uh, that. <laughs> yeah. Now, I know Knicks. we all kind of expect the Knicks to fall short, probably losing to the Nets. Speak to yourself. But I have faith. <laughs> I, I feel like... Don't speak for yourself. Speak to yourself. Hey, I know what I said, and I stand by it. <laughs> I, I feel like the Knicks could have this kind of Cinderella run like Miami did last year, and maybe not fall short, depending on how just everything falls out. Are you saying they're going to win a title? <laughs> no. Yeah. Because that's what it sounded I like you were about West to say. To I good. want them to. But uh, no. not to mention no. other teams in the East that aren't the Nets. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even don't know. care about it. Why are you saying the Knicks are going to win it yeah. all? The Knicks will behind win the up. good knee of Derrick Rose and <laughs> yeah. Julius Randle. Now there's a lot of commotion about possibly trying to trade for Damian Lillard this offseason because point guard is going to be your biggest concern, seeing that every guard on your roster is going to be a free agent. This Oops. feels Just like a animal. Dead. This feels like a trap where the Knicks offer the world and grossly overpay in draft picks and young players. Leave that to the other New York basketball team. Aww. Sorry, guys. But you're a New York sports team. It's time to open up that checkbook and go pay some players. Yeah. Uh, Lonzo Ball's going to be a restricted free agent, but you could potentially just outbid New Orleans and force either force them to grossly overpay him to keep him or you just steal him. I think... Julius Randle and R.J. Barrett are a fine core, but they just need more pieces around them. Today, actually, the Knicks signed Luca Vildoza out mm-hmm. of Argentina uh, for four years, like $13.5 million. And he's leading uh, the team he's in in Spain, in Spain to like their champions, championships and stuff. He was the MVP of the Spanish League last year. Oh. So that's a great move. So I think... Maybe. With, uh, it could be. It's always a bet. Well, you remember when we talked about the Spurs and <laughs> talking about all these I guys that were great in like Europe. Louis Scola. <laughs> all great this in guy, Europe, and he, then they weren't so much. Or they just didn't come. This guy already negotiated his buyout for his contract. He's going to be a Nick next year. Yeah, yeah that doesn't important. make him like... No, he's Luca. He's Austin. He's from Europe. He's, he's Luca. He's Luca with he's a Luca. C. They're the same. He's Luca with a C. <laughs> I think that I think it's the like Knicks a Pokemon. <laughs> I think the Knicks just need a center if Nerlens Noel doesn't return. I think they follow go with my advice from before. Uh-huh. Instead of having to trade for Andre Drummond, just go sign him. You're a big market and you can pay him money and him back in the East, I think he'll find a little bit easier to bully people. <laughs> it's nicer back there. I think if the Knicks lose it all, they should trade for Giannis. Ooh. That'd be but manas. Yeah. I think they should get JaVale McGee. I think they should get LeBron James. (laughs) (laughs) But the future is bright for the Knicks, as long as you don't get antsy and burn down your future for one ring, so you can set up to be an opportunity to be a continual contender. Burn it. Go for one. That's all you need. The Toronto Raptors. That's all anyone needs. Josh, what you got? All right. So my dear GM this week is actually just a dear entire team. Ooh. And it goes out to the Portland Trailblazers. Ah. 
So things are beginning to ramp up to the playoffs, and with the new addition of the play-in tournament, things are getting interesting. It's amazing to me that there are so many teams playing hard this late into the season. Usually by now, half the teams are tanking for lottery position, but the possibility of the play-in tournament is keeping everybody on their toes. I'm specifically addressing the Trailblazers because they are in a fun position. Right now, they are sitting in the seventh seed in the Pact West. Uh, if the playoffs were to start today, Portland would have to beat Golden State to secure the seventh seed. Or if they lost to Golden State, they would have to beat the winner of the Grizzlies-Spurs game to get the eighth seed. But Portland is only one game behind Los Angeles in the sixth seed, and they play in two days. But before they can face the Lakers, Portland has to face the dreaded 21-44 and 44 Cleveland Cavaliers. Ooh, the trappy. Lakers also have a game tonight but it's against the much scarier 44-22 and 22 Clippers. So if Portland wins like they're supposed to, and the Lakers lose to the Clippers, which is always a possibility, mm -hmm. then the Lakers and Trailblazers would have the exact same record going into their matchup on Friday. In a shortened season with that's been plagued with injuries, I want to see more chaos. So go on, Portland. Take that sixth seed and force the reigning NBA champion Lakers into the play-in tournament. I would love that. Yeah. No, or, I'm all about it. Especially since LeBron's pissy about it right now. Oh, I know, right? I, I, because I, he can see it coming. He's like, I don't want this stupid tournament. Also, I don't believe him when he says, <laughs> yeah, I'll never be 100% again. Because what do we know about LeBron? Right before the playoffs, he sets up his narrative for the year. And this one is his narrative for the year. And he's... And LeBron James is a full-on robot. So yeah. as soon as he gets to the playoffs, <laughs> yeah, honestly, I'm like a high ankle sprain with the way you take care of your body, sir. Please, <laughs> you'll never be a hundred percent again. Honestly, retire. It's like last year when it was like right when they knew they were going to win the title. They're like, yeah, this is probably going to be like the hardest title anyone has ever won ever. I'm the goat, probably. <laughs> like mm, saying all the okay. ways he's better than Michael Jordan without saying it, and I'm like. Even if you are, which you have so many reasons to, like, support that claim, the GOAT doesn't have to say he's the GOAT. Everybody just knows it. Like, so stop setting up your own PR or whatever. This is just, like, be a freak of nature and dominate. Just do that, LeBron. Please. please. This week, I'm addressing Pelican's GM, Trajan Langdon. Here's the deal, Mr. GM. <laughs> Lonzo Ball is set to become a restricted free agent this offseason. It has become evident over the past few months that you don't have much interest in retaining him. It's a little inexplicable, but I suppose I can understand. However, you should not just let him walk to another team for free. You definitely need to sign and trade that man and get some sort of value in return. Ideally, you should package Lonzo and some draft capital to acquire a bona fide NBA star to partner with Zion. On a side note, as a Pistons fan, I implore you, fire Stan Van Gundy. <laughs> no good can come from him. It's just the case. Or trade him. He is tainted. Do get some second round picks for yeah, him. Yeah, get a couple classic second round picks. Jokic was a second round pick. Yeah. So. He's all right. Draymond was a second round pick. He's also all right. He was all right, and now he is. He was no more left. important, and now he's less important. Oh, you mean the best defensive player of all time? To ever play? That's Draymond so Green? True, everyone agrees with that. <laughs> I'm like, I'd take Hassan Whiteside over you right now. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the pod. If you enjoyed this or any of our other episodes, please remember to give us a like or a follow. Maybe even leave a review. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you may listen to podcasts. 
In the words of former Nets owner Mikhail Prokhorov, quote, I am addicted to sport. Without sport, I feel bad. Unquote. <laughs> bad is the only emotion Russians can feel, so. Uh, addiction, bad, sports. Sport. Gambling. Mother Russia. Mother Mother Russia. Russia. Yeah, sport. It is a classy way to say sports just drop the S. Just one S at the beginning. That's how rich people talk about sports. Must be nice. I like sport. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening, and remember, this was mismanaged. Bye.